Well, if you'll turn in a copy of God's Word to Galatians chapter 6, Galatians chapter 6, verses 6 through 10. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, we'd love to give you one. And you'll find uh, several copies that look like this Bible right here. It's a paperback Bible uh, on the uh, table outside uh, that back door. Uh, Grab one on the way out. We've also provided pew Bibles for you. And uh, if you'll note in the outline, we've even given you the page number for today's um, uh, sermon text. So, uh, I encourage you to have an, a copy of God's Word open before you. But before we read and preach, let's, let's go and ask the Lord for His help. O oh Lord, we pray that You would indeed help us, help the preacher and the hearer alike. O oh Lord, that we might decrease and You might increase from this pulpit and in our hearts, O oh God. Move, O oh Lord, we pray, by Your Spirit. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Galatians 6, verses 6 through 10. Hear now the word of the Lord. One who is taught the word must share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whoever, whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God shall indeed stand forever. We come to a text with a, a bit of tension, at least apparent tension. The theme of the text, and indeed our time together this morning, is the fact that we reap what we sow, that there are consequences to our actions. But we know when it comes to salvation, there are not enough good works that we could sow in order to save ourselves. In fact, in salvation, we reap what Christ has sown for us. That He has reaped for us, or sown for us a life of righteousness, a life of obedience. His death and His resurrection and And as his body was sown into the ground, the great harvest that would ensue, his resurrection as well as ours in the future. But the fact is, there are consequences to our actions. That which a man sows, he also reaps. It's only been in this last year or so that the Johnson family has gotten into gardening. We've talked about this a lot. I have an exceedingly black thumb. this year, we have not killed too many uh, plants, and we're very excited about that. Uh, for the first time ever, we've sown good things, and we've received good things. I love going out there and looking at the, at the cherry tomato bush, and they're just full of, of red tomatoes and more green ones that you know you will be ready in the next couple days. You sow something good, and you, you get something out of it. But, but you know, also, if you sow bad things, you know what you get? You get bad things. Kudzu, as many of you know much better than I, uh, was originally brought in and, and used a lot for erosion control. In fact, the federal government, according to that great source of all data, Wikipedia, uh, said that the federal government even paid people to plant kudzu. And now it's spreading at a rate of 150,000 acres a year even as we seek to try to keep it under control. See, what we thought was good is actually bad, and now it's taking over the world. Uh, you see what happens when you sow something bad. See, it, it might just start out like a little seed, 
like the green beans we planted. We would put three little green beans. By the way, anything that good happens in our garden is due to Mr. Charles Fountain, I might add. Uh, <laughs> but we, we, under his direct supervision, uh, planted three little, little seeds in those little holes, and they're just so small. Green bean bushes aren't that big, but they are a lot bigger than those seeds. Or you think about an oak tree, just a little acorn that starts out. See, what we, what we sow, whether good or bad, and oftentimes, maybe always, never stays just like it is, but becomes much bigger and bigger and bigger. And it depends on what you sow. It depends on what kind of seed you put in the soil to see what happens. So, our time together this morning, our, consequen- our, our, our actions have consequences both in this life and in the next. You reap what you sow. Well, in our text, it starts out rather oddly in verse 7. Uh, verse 7 says, uh, um, uh, Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Don't be deceived. That seems like an odd thing to say, considering this proverb is one that's not just found in the Old Testament. It is in several places, Job and the Proverbs especially. Uh, but it was also found in pagan society as well. I mean, it's obvious to look at the world around us and see that when you sow things, things come out. When you do things in life, there are consequences. But so when Paul says, don't be deceived, what, what does he mean? Well, the fact is that we like to pretend like, we like to believe, we like to allow ourselves to be deceived. We even like to deceive ourselves to believe that there aren't any consequences for our actions. We allow ourselves to be deceived in those moments when we know that we ought not to sin. Right on the precipice of sin, we have that moment of clarity in which we think about what we're about to do, and we say, I know what I'm about to do is wrong. But there won't be any consequences. Perhaps it even goes like this, that Jesus has paid for my sins, therefore I can do whatever I want and I can repent later, and that's faulty logic, as we'll get to later. Um, it's like uh, the credit card around Christmas time. Or the credit card on vacation. You've got those five days of vacation, and, and this is going to be the best vacation ever. And I'm going to buy whatever I want, not believing that when you get back 30 days later, at the end of your billing cycle, there will clearly be consequences indeed. But see, we like to allow ourselves to be deceived. We like to pretend like there won't be any consequences for our sin. When we live lives that don't line up with the Word of God, we pretend like nothing bad's going to happen. When in reality, the Word of God, the, the law of God, the commandments of God are given to us not to beat us down, but to show us how to live a life, a life that glorifies God and a life of peace. Now, surely it shows us our sins so that we might repent of them and turn to Christ Jesus. But as believers, we have the Holy Spirit within us, according to Ezekiel 36, and that He enables us to obey His commandments. Well, there are all sorts of deceivers, all sorts of, all sorts of deceivers out there. We, we first see the world. The world is certainly a deceiver. The world, and especially the culture in which we live today, is becoming increasingly deceptful, de- deceit, deceitful, deceitful. Uh, leading us away and making us think we can do whatever we want with, with no consequences. Or that good things won't ever impact anybody else. Perhaps that is one of the most pernicious lies that we as believers believe. 
when we do good things for other people, when we help folks, when we pray, when we, when we sow the seed of prayer, that the problem is too big and that nothing will ever change. That's to buy into a lie. That's to allow ourselves to be deceived. We have the world doing it. We also have Satan doing it. Satan loves to deceive us. He is, he is the father of all lies. He is a liar by definition. He is our enemy. And so anything he says to you, you can trust, is wrong. And he would say, in your weak moment, don't worry. There won't be any consequences. But we don't have to look at the world. We don't have to look at Satan. We can just look at ourselves, right? This is what Galatians 5 was about, this combat between the the flesh and the spirit. These things are opposed to each other. For we seek to deceive ourselves, if we're honest. Let's look at these two formulas here in in verse 8. For the the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. What does it mean to sow to the flesh? Well, it means to sin. It means to feed our sinful nature. It means to give in to our sinful nature. It means to delight in our sinful nature. And it means to walk in a way that does not glorify the Lord. This word corruption here would seem to indicate a gradual decay of the body. Uh, my family's in town this week, uh, this weekend, very, and Chrissy's too, actually. Uh, very grateful they're here and. Um, you know, when I see my little nephews and my little nieces, it's been a while since I've seen them. And man, they have grown, right? It's been a while since I've seen them. So the first thing I think about when I see them is, man, they're big. Now, when people tell that to me and Christy about Thomas, you know, we've been with Thomas all the time. And so it's hard to see that radical growth in just those few months. It's the same thing here with the rate of decay. But as we, as we sow more to the flesh and as we pursue sin, as we, we pursue patterns of sin in our lives, we may not immediately see the impact of our lives. And my friends, weeks, months, years down the line, decades, maybe even eternity later, we see very clearly the effects of our sin. That which we sow, we will also reap. We see the impact of our consequences, our sin, of our actions, both in this life and the next. When we feed um, our desires, you know, you, do you know how our desires, our sinful desires grow? We feed them. And the more that we feed those sinful desires, the bigger and harder they get to, de- to, to defeat. And suddenly what seems like something we were just going to flirt with at the beginning soon consumes us. We see it in the idea of sowing wild oats. One, uh, one commentator said this. He said that the trouble with sowing wild oats, as people call it, is that we always reap what we sow. The problem with, with, with sowing wild oats, as people call it, is that we always reap what we sow. Guilt and sorrow after past sin has led many people to the pastor's couch and the counselor's sofa to begin to work through these things. But you know, I think we see it right now in this cultural moment in our, in our nation. That we see in very clear ways what it means to reap what we've sown. You think about this last century. The 20th century had this idea of the kingdom was about to be here under what's called um, post-millennialism, but I won't get into that. Then you had World War I happen. 
And that crushed that idea. In the 20s, the roaring 20s, the, the, the carpe diem 20s, let's live it now 20s, followed suit in reaction to it. And then World War II led to the 50s generation. And then the 60s generation reacted against the 50s generation and went crazy. And, and then the 70s generation and the 90s generation where truth is no longer true. And then you get to the 21st century and we are suddenly reaping what we've been sowing. For centuries. And it's going really fast, isn't it? And the scary thing is not so much, well, it's scary now, but think about even the thing that we are reaping, how we are actually re-sowing it. It's kind of like dividends that you fund back into the fund so that it'll grow more and more and more. And we're, we're, we're re-sowing what we're reaping. And what will we reap in 10, 15, 20 years apart from the grace and mercy of God? Because here's the thing, not only do we see uh, the consequence for our actions, we don't, we, don't only, we don't only reap in this life, we do reap in this life, as believers, as unbelievers, but unbelievers will reap in the life to come. See, this word corruption is a technical word, and, and it's referring to hell. It's referring to eternal destruction. This is what this leads to. It's a very sobering statement. Just like in, in Galatians 5.21, we have this list of the works of the flesh, and it ends with, and they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul switches metaphors here, and he's saying the same thing. That a life that is defined by sin, that, that knows no presence of the Holy Spirit, does not know the, the forgiveness of Christ, the empowering and presence of the third person of the Trinity, ends and eternal corruption. We reap what we sow. But here's the great news. That's all bad news, right? Here's the great news. But the second part of this verse is even better, or even more powerful than the first part. But the one who sows the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. This doesn't mean that we earn our salvation. That's not what it means. But it means that if we walk with the Lord, a life that has been transformed by Jesus, a heart that has been made new by the Holy Spirit, regenerated and made to beat after God and His law and His love and His will, if we follow this, the fourfold uh, commands of, of chapter 5, to walk in the Spirit, live by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, and walk in step with the Spirit, if our lives have been transformed and we see the fruit of the Spirit happening in us, then we will reap eternal life. It's not salvation by works, because look who's giving the life. It's the Spirit. He is giving it to us. It's not earned by us. But you know, the eternal life that we will inherit when we die and go to be with the Lord, either that or He comes back before we die, I pray for that, we'll have eternal life. We will live forever in a land without sorrow or tears, without those who would... um, seek to change the very definition of the basic institution of what it means to be human. We would no longer have to live in a life of corruption or injustice or the poor. Those without a voice will now have plenty of voice. Those who have been oppressed will be raised and lifted up. The poor will be exalted and the haughty will be brought low. And my friends, that is called heaven. And here's the thing that it says, the Bible says that we can have that in part now. The everlasting eternal life that we will have in heaven, it breaks in into the present. 
We have a taste of that now, not in fullness. But we now can experience in part the joy and the hope and the assurance and the love and the peace and the grace that will be ours in heaven. And the more that we sow these things on this earth, the more time we spend with the Lord in prayer, the more we seek Him and seek to to walk by His statutes, we will reap a harvest of godliness more and more this side of the Jordan. How do we live a life Um, defined by the next kingdom, or the kingdom in the next age, the kingdom that has come, is coming, will come. How do do we live like that? How do we live a life that that is enabled to say no to sin? How do we live a life that that has said, you know, I used to be defined by that sin, but praise the Lord, He's given me victory over it. I still struggle with it, but I'm not in it. I still fight it every day, but it does not define me. How do we live that kind of life of joy and hope We sow to the Spirit, and we will reap eternal life. Not because of anything in us, but because of the work of the Spirit in us. We are called, therefore, to sow good to others. We see this in verses 9 through 10. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap, and if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, or season... Let us do good to everyone, and especially to those of the household of faith. There's so many reasons to grow weary of doing good. There's so many reasons. Sometimes it just feels like there's just nothing else we can do. Let me tell you, the best thing to sow is prayer. Hours of prayer that the elders and deacons are, are sowing prayer on Wednesdays at lunch together. Praying for that we might reap revival. Luke 10 says, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. The harvest is ready and is ripe. And if we allow ourselves to be deceived to think that we should grow weary, we should grow faint, we should grow discouraged, because nothing's happening, my friends, we have bought into the lie of the evil one. We serve a God who's still on the throne. If we sow a great um, crop of, a great, uh, huge portion of seeds into the ground of prayer, how much greater will the harvest be of souls? We should do this. We should help those who are made in the image of God, which is everyone, no matter uh, where they come from, no matter their color, no matter um, their background. We sow good to all. And we sow especially to the household of the faith. Because we are called together as a family. And if we sow good to each other, as we sow to the Spirit, there will be a great harvest, even in our own midst. Here's the thing, that, that we cannot sow our own salvation. Christ has sown it for us. And it merely has to be received. Have you received this gift of salvation? God loves you. God loves you. Have you received This harvest of salvation. Because here's the thing. That his body was sown into the ground. On the third day it was raised up. And because he has been raised so too. He was the first fruits. So too will our bodies be raised up from the grave as well. And we will be with our Lord forever. In the place we call the new heavens and the new earth. May that day come quickly. Let's pray. So Father we thank you that you have saved us.
apart from our works. That we have received your grace and we have received new life. Lord, give us strength to sow to the Spirit and not to sow to the flesh. Lord, that we might experience more and more in this life the eternal life that belongs to the next age. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.